Hey heroes, welcome to On Scene First. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. With over 25 years in public safety, I am wicked excited and honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of -of out-of-the-box thinking when it comes to using the latest and greatest must-have technology tools, a people-first leadership approach, and mental health resources to save lives on both sides of the call. Before we get started, I would like to say thank you to our premier sponsor, NGA911. With their reliable cloud-based end-to-end NG911 solutions, I am super confident they can fulfill your needs when it comes to next-gen core services, call handling, data analytics, and much more. Oh, and did I mention it is affordable and customizable? Make sure you visit our friends at www.nga911.com and tell them Tracy sent you. Now, on with the show. Welcome. I am wicked excited to have today's guest today. Um, Not only is he a dear friend, he is my coach. He is my mentor. He is one of the most significant reasons why I am here today doing what it is that I'm able to be doing for the 911 space. Welcome, Gord McFarlane. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. It's great to be with you, Tracy. You're like my little sister, right? So I got to take care of you. In, in, in so many ways, like I, yeah. I can't even tell you, like even just starting this interview, I, I can feel the emotion that I have. And you know how I feel about you. We've we've talked about this in our coaches academy that I do with you once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we met, which blows my mind. We met January. The first week of January will be four years ago. Can you believe that? Four years already. Yeah, it's awesome. And how much has changed? Like it it blows my mind. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So I give credit to you, though, Tracy. You've done the work. You know, it wasn't that you were just receptive. You actually dug in and did the work, even though you you felt the pain and you felt the discomfort. You pushed through, and uh, that's a tribute to your resilience and your ability. Oh man, was there discomfort? Yeah, yeah, it was discomfort. So the reason why I chose to have you on Gord, even though you were not necessarily entrenched in the public safety space, you did spend a little time here, right? Why don't yeah, you about tell three my years, listeners? yeah, selling hardware and software with TCI Telecontrol out of Alabama. So yeah. I got to know the 911 community quite well and served in 14 states as I was living in the states uh, from the Carolinas up to Maine and into as far east as uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania. So yeah, it was a good run. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. So you, so you may even know some, some of the listeners may even know you on here. So that's cool. Um, but before we get started and we jump into the story and, and why I chose to have you on the podcast, cause I do think this is going to be a very powerful, um, session for folks to hear, but why don't you tell folks a little bit about who you are and then we'll kind of d- deep dive in a little bit later, but bird's eye view, who is Gord McFarlane and what do you do today? Uh, great question. Well, I've been in the coaching space for over 30 years, coaching leaders uh, starting in the early 1990s, 1991. I got involved in, in working with leaders and really enjoyed it. But I've been a, I've been coaching 
uh, ice hockey for over 40 years. I started in the coaching uh, business from actual coaching hockey in 19, 1979. That was my very first year of coaching. And uh, we happened to win the championship in house league hockey that year. So I was hooked. But I was a lifelong player of the game and played, uh, you know, high level, you know, very uh, competitive hockey. And so when my friend asked me to become a coach with him and teach the kids a little bit about skating and coaching, uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And then within two, three years, I was into the competitive level coaching. And for the next 10 years, uh, that's what I did. But I was also in sales. I also had my own company. So I had the freedom to be able to travel and do coaching and uh, in, in the hockey business. But I was learning about sales. I got certified in Dale Carnegie in 1987, and it was the human behavior approach to selling. It was a certification program. It was an eight or 10 week program. I can't recall now, but the company paid for it. In fact, what the company did was uh, they put, they put a uh, challenge out to us. Uh, there was uh, six of us that attended the course from the company and was a sales company in the printing industry. And they said, anybody that finishes, there's a sales talk championship at the end. And anybody that finishes in the top 10 will give you, will pay for your whole program. Well, challenge was on. And uh, so I ended up being in the sales talk championship and I was a finalist and uh, I basically uh, ended up in second place, but uh, had my whole program paid for. But that was the beginning of me understanding that I wanted to be an instructor, a trainer. So I was invited back as a certified member of the Dale Carnegie staff to be a trainer in sales. And so I became a sales trainer and that led to me being a million dollar round table sales in four different industries. So I was rapidly becoming someone who I wanted to be was a person of influence. In 1991, I joined a multi-level marketing organization and rapidly moved into leadership training. They asked me to train leaders in that space because of my sales background, obviously with direct sales and sales background, Dale Carnegie was a natural fit. And we, we, hit pay dirt right away. We were very successful in that multi-level marketing space. And then fast forward to uh, my opportunity to work in um, in the States a little bit, I met Dr. Robert Rome. In 1996, I was at a conference with that multi-level marketing business. And I saw him on stage in Atlanta, Atlanta Georgia. And I thought, I got to meet this guy. <laughs> so went out in the concourse and shook his hand. And uh, I was thinking, man, this is a cool thing. I was learning the DISC model of human behavior. And I thought, this is so cool. And I started to apply it to my life. I started to apply it to my career. That with my training in Dale Carnegie and in coaching sports, uh, it was really cool. And I, I got a call from a friend uh, in early 2000 where Dr. Rome was actually in Canada and he was training. He was certifying. And this guy called me up and we talked and he said, hey, you should get certified in the model. D Dr. Robert Rome is here and he's doing a, a training in, in Ottawa. So I got signed up with a guy by the name of JJ, uh, Jean-Jacques Brun, JJ Brun, who's a good friend of mine. You know him, Tracy. Mine too. Yeah, he's, he's uh, part of our Coaches Academy. He and I host that program. Um, and so JJ was hosting Dr. Rome and I got certified as a level one certified DISC consultant and went on to become a specialist and uh, attended a boot camp, speakers boot camp, and became a master trainer in Dr. Rome's organization in 2009. So I've been a master trainer in that organization for a long time. And, and what it led to was uh, my career in sports and my career in business was the opportunity to share the model of human behavior with both my athletic contacts and my corporate contacts. And I became uh, a coach in that area. So I've been coaching in uh, Performance Mindset, which is the name of my company, Performance Mindset Coach. 
another company before called Coaching to Connect, and we did a lot of work in uh, corporate and in athletic circles, from professional to uh, professional teams, uh, NCAA teams, junior teams, and as well corporations, very large corporations, multi-billion dollar corporations. So had a very successful run, and now I'm independent. I'm on my own. Uh, I'm an independent coach, uh, training coaches on how to be successful coaches. So I've had two careers, one in business, one in sports, uh, both in professional sports and uh, as coaching, and in my own business. I've had eight different companies where I've uh, trained people, sold all kinds of different things. So I'm effectively known as a performance mindset coach currently. And uh, that's what I do for a living. And I help people like yourself to become sustainable in entrepreneurs in the coaching business. And I love helping people succeed and uh, impact lives, make a difference and, um, and really have a lot of fun being an entrepreneur, which I think you're experiencing now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so when you say that, that you've helped coach people be successful, I am one of those successes. And a lot of times I, I, I shy away from kind of tooting my horn intentionally, right? Yeah. So we know my personality can tend to toot my horn, not for <laughs> purpose, not for reasons that others think, but this is an intentional tooting of the horn is that without your coaching, um, mm. I wouldn't have had the confidence, the understanding and the, um, the trust to to venture right. out on my own and do what I am doing now. And so just a little backstory about how Gordon and I met. Um, four years ago, many of you know, I was with Rapid SOS and our company grew very quickly. Um, many of you know that I, I spent the first year and a half, it was it was myself and, and Keith uh, Viveros and, um, and, and Reinhard Eckel, it was just us for like the first year traveling around the country, selling a free product that didn't exist. And we made lots of connections. And then Karen Marquez came on and then we just grew, right? Like many of you watched that progression. And what had happened is there were a lot of different personalities that came in with that growth spurt. And I do know- yeah, a very short time, period of time, eh? Very short period of time. I mean, we went from like three or four people to like 40. And and everybody is kind of trying to find their lane, find trying to find their place. And one of the things that I learned from you through this process is the way that my brain and the way that my personality style through the DISC human behavior model works is I can tend to get overly sensitive if if I have a feeling of rejection. And then that kind of becomes I, I take on that persona of being rejected. And when I say that there was a lot of hard work that had to be done. That was a mirror that I had to put up in front of my face that I, I didn't really want to look into. Uh, but you were very successful in helping me just better understand who I was. Now, we mentioned the DISC human behavior model, and that's why I wanted to bring you on. Many folks know that I'm providing DISC uh, behavior model training in the 9-1 space, uh, which not many folks are doing, but it is so needed, right? I mean- yeah. Yeah. So needed. So what I would love for you to share with with my folks is I know they've heard from me, but I want them to hear from my coach and my master trainer, which I will be a master trainer. Yes, you will. In the next, I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a year and a half. That That's my goal, a year and a half. But I want 
them to hear from you. Can you talk about what the DISC human behavior model is as a foundation? And then we're going to kind of peel back some layers, please. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Uh, of course, you've heard this many times before and uh, over our last four years together. And uh, part of the understanding, I always tell people, look, I, I can coach athletes and I can coach businesses. And because uh, um, you and I are naturally people oriented, you're much more people oriented than I am. I'm a, in the disc world, I'm known as a, a driver dominant personality with a secondary influence of, of I, which is the influencer inspiring trait. You are an inspiring influencing trait, primarily with a supportive, stable, steady type secondary influencer trait. So the disc model, of course, is the four letters d i s and c it was a, a, a i believe to be one of the most significant uh behavioral uh, languages in the world only because of its simplicity i agree uh, there are many others there are many others myers-briggs and enneagram and colors all uh, great in their own right the way that dr Rome teaches the disc model of human behavior i think is second to none because uh, i was involved in disc prior to dr rome through uh, another company and when i saw what Dr. Rome was doing with the DISC model, I'm going like, like, wow, this is really, really good. And Dr. Rome is just a, a master at being able to uh, connect the story with the training. Yep. And so the, one of the big things for Dr. Rome was simplicity. Number one, his model, uh, as he explains DISC, is simplicity and also memory recall. So being able to understand it quickly, but also to be able to remember it and know how to apply it. So the three points of emphasis that he uses is learn, discover, discover, learn, and apply. So discover the process, learn it, and then apply it, right? Yeah. And so that's so powerful when you can take it. And so that's kind of like my, my battle cry as well, is I build awareness, I empower people with the information, and I teach them how to apply it. So for me, uh, the DISC model of human behavior is a language, but it's also uh, a, just a real cultural identity to be able to understand who we are first so we can understand other people so we can become better together, right? And be a more effective team. And so think about that application for business. Think about that application for sports. Think about that application for family. If I understand you and you understand me, doesn't it make sense that we're going to get along better together? 100%. So what we need is we need a formula. We need a system, right, to be able to help us understand that and grasp it easily. But not only that, retain it and be able to use it. So that's the that's the cool part about how Dr. Rome has trained us as master trainers and how we certify and train other people like yourself who are out there doing it. So the model is good. It's rich. It's full. And it's not just one understanding. There's multiple pathways that you can take with this. Why? I believe it's it's the environmental and um, I would say emotional intelligence that you need. Emotional intelligence is not just knowing what to do, it's knowing how to apply it. Yep. And so having the language of human behavior, so being able to provide context to a D personality, an I, an S, and a C personality, and we're a blend of all four, as you know. Uh, so I always say, look, you know, you have a primary, everybody has a primary, but uh, there are secondary influencers that make you different. Me, I'm different from my wife. My wife is a D personality. I'm a D personality, but I'm a DI. She's a DC. Very different, very distinct. JJ, same thing. JJ, JJ and I work together a lot, but we're very different in our approach, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, Gordon, can you, can you do me a favor? Um, can yeah. you just... 
for those that are listening, I know you mentioned the D and the I with us. Can you just kind of give that overview again, what sure. a D is, what an I, what an S and a C is in, in the descriptive terms that you used? Yeah, no problem. So, so let's, let's go back they, to the so folks, so folks know who they are as yeah. we continue to talk. And we kind of get we kind of get them to do that if they haven't taken an, an actual self assessment because no one knows you better than you. Yeah. Uh, but that that's what the self assessment does is it provides us information so we can coach you more effectively. But really, just understanding the context and content of DISC, uh, there's there's a couple of things you need to know. First two questions you ask: Am I outgoing or am I reserved? Right. Those are the two first. That's your pace perspective. Most people are either outgoing or reserved. Both you and I, Tracy, are outgoing. Some people are reserved. They would know that intuitively quite quickly, right? Uh, I'm an outgoing person or I'm a reserved person. The next question would be, well, what's your priority? Is your priority for people or is it for uh, doing things, tasks, transactional items? A lot of people have a, a drive to do things, which means they're more task-oriented. doesn't mean they're not people-oriented, but they're task-oriented first. The second part would be, are you people-oriented? And if you are like you and I, uh, although we're people-oriented, you're way more people-oriented than I am. I'm a DI. I'm probably task-first, people-second, and you're probably a people first, task second. It's not that you don't find tasks important. It's just not as important as people. And the same for me. I like to get things done, but I like to do things through people. So that's the starting point. The letters D, I, S, and Z represent four quadrants. The D personality is dominant, decisive, determined doer. They're very strong in the task-oriented place uh, where you get like to get things done. They're doers. If you want something to get done, you want to give it to a D. Right. And now, again, we celebrate people from Dr. Rome's training perspective in a wellness perspective. We want to celebrate people for who they are as much as for what they do. And so D's are a certain way. They have a certain temperament. Right. And then uh, we want to say, well, look, we don't want to just recognize you for being doers. We know that you have an attitude of determination. You're a decisive individual. You like to make quick decisions. That differs from the other outgoing personality, which is the I. They're influencers. They're inspiring. They love to be involved and interact with other people. And remember, we have all four of these, some to a greater, some to a lesser degree. So for me, I'm a very strong D with a secondary I and S flavoring uh, or, or influence. My C is my lowest trait. For you, you're an I personality primary with a secondary S and D trait, and your C trait is the lowest of your four uh, in your trait continuum. So that would be the D and the I. The Ds are dominant, decisive drivers, and the Is are influencing, inspiring, involved, interactive personalities. As we slide down the scale to the uh, reserve personalities, uh, no less, of course, but uh, they're just different, and it doesn't make them any better, any worse. They are the supportive style. The S personality is supportive, steady, stable, very sweet, very kind. Uh, and they, they're very sensitive, right? And they like to do things with people. They love being involved in relationships. And then we slide over to the other trait, which is the C personality, which is a reserve task trait. And they are cautious. They're careful, contemplative very conscientious, but super competent because they like to process information and make sure that things get done in the right way. Now, what you and I love to do is we say, look, you can know personalities, which is great. It's a great understanding, but here's the key for you and I, we both know this. And when we talk to people, you know, the two most important things that we learn about personalities, the two things that we our greatest takeaways from personalities are their basic needs. The basic needs that people have are key to understanding personalities. Doctor, I remember Dr. Rome saying in my first certification program way back in early 2000, I think it was 2001, 
He said, if you understand the basic needs, you have about 80% of the human behavior picture figured out. So the basic needs, if you think about it, a D personality, their basic need in life, it's like their oxygen. In fact, they can't survive without this. They need choices, challenge, control to be in charge. If they don't have that, they're not happy campers. They can, they lose focus and they're just immediately off in left field doing what they want to do, right? The I personality, right? They like recognition. They want your approval. They like to be liked and they like to have fun. In fact, they like to make things fun if yep. they're not, right? It just allows them to be more engaged and, and a part of the process, but that's their basic need. Now you think about that for me, choices, challenge, control to be in charge and recognition, approval to be liked and having fun. That's a truly outgoing personality, yep. but not so connected to our reserve person, very different from our reserve personalities, right? And that's where there are fender benders, right? Our fender benders happen when there's differences in pace and in priority, right? But more so in priority. So let's look at the basic needs for the S. The basic needs for the S personality are security, or what I would say is safety. They like to feel safe in three areas, in their relationships, in their roles and their responsibilities. When they feel safe in those areas, there's a lot of harmony in their life. There's a lot of comfort. They can get things done because they feel safe. They like to be feel like they're needed. They like to be appreciated. That's their basic need in life. And when those things are in line, they will go through the wall for you. They're super team-oriented. They're very cooperative. They're great folks to have in an organization. In fact, I believe a lot of 911 centers have a lot of S personalities and C they personalities, do. 911 operators. Yep. Uh, we, I've met at those NINA conferences many, many years that I, many months that I attended when I was and in- I'm actually, I, I'm actually seeing that in the assessments that I'm doing yeah. is that our, our 911 folks are definitely hovering CSSC area. SC, and I can't yeah. wait to have like yeah. hundreds of them. And then I'm going to pass it off to JJ. And then I'm going to have him like crunch some numbers some and then we're going to get some data. Yeah. We did some analytics in the, in the, uh, in the, the fabrication industry and I was working with Cardinal Glass and we found that 50 to 55% of the primary personalities working in, pro in production were CS. And then another 30 to 35% working in production on the production lines were SC. Pretty interesting, right? When you yeah. can get those kind of analytics, because now you know who are going to do the best jobs in those fabrication scenarios. Yep. So let's All round right. out the C personality yep. and their basic needs. The basic need of the cautious, uh, care, uh, careful uh, personality are uh, they love to have quality information, quality answers to all their questions. Why? Because they seek value in everything they do. This It has to have meaning and value. Uh, they want to get things done right because they're all about excellence. So if you think now about those four areas, the D, the I, the S, and the C, and the basic needs, when you understand and know the basic needs of the four temperaments, you are a long way along to getting yep. to know people and helping them to understand. And Dr. Rome has taught us, in the past, you know, the, the keys for us as coaches, as leaders, as parents, our main objective in life is to connect with people, right? Understand people, but also two things. He said, CC and EE, create the climate, create the climate for people to feel celebrated and validated and engineer or establish the environment so they can feel like they are safe in that environment. They can do what they need to do or do what they're able to do and want to do. And that's where you're going to create a real sense of togetherness and cooperation. So those are the four things, four basic needs of each of the four personalities and as well, understanding what they value in a, in a create the climate, engineer the environment scenario.
Amazing. So yes, and folks have heard me talk about these things, but I wanted to hear the Gordon McFarlane overview because that is where I made my connection with you. When we were, when I was at Rapid SOS and I met you, um, as I mentioned, I was just, I was, I was struggling in a way to kind of find my lane, um, which I realize now is that an I style of personality, I, I don't, I don't really belong in a lane. I'm actually a drunk driver on a six lane highway. So I kind <laughs> you of can see, be, yeah, can <laughs> not be, always, right? but you can be. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so what I realized, but here's the important thing too, Tracy, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the interesting thing is that there, you were in a very different place there because of many of the personalities you were involved with were not eyes. Right. And they didn't know how to read you. They didn't know how to understand you. And so it was a mutual thing. You were not yeah. in a great environment. Right. And so you were not being celebrated for who you were. Right. But you were being uh, kind of looked at for what you did. And yes. you were being measured through a C lens and an uh, yeah. S lens. Yeah. And, and that is super powerful that you said that. So how how this transpired was you had come uh, to to do an offsite with us to kick off the new year. And I it was amazing. I, I you know, there's so many reasons why I'm thankful for for that uh, connection. But what had happened was you had sent us the disc assessments before we got there. So you knew who we all were like, like you knew who everybody was. We didn't have like, you know, for the most part, you knew who everybody was. Um, you may not have known the names, but I will never forget this. And this just goes to show how powerful having this knowledge and applying it is. So the night before we actually had the class with you, and and I know I've told this before in, in our coaches academy, but I don't know if you know the profound effect that this moment made on me and the importance of this understanding is the night before the class, we went on a dinner cruise and um, we had dinner and you were introduced as our instructor for the next day. And in the opposite Gord fashion, you were not outgoing. You were actually kind of standing off in the corner having a glass of wine, observing, observing. And um, and here comes Tracy, be bopping over to Gord. And I'm like, hi, I'm, and before I could even say a word, you said Tracy. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Cause I don't, I don't have a name tag on. Like, how do you even know who I am? Did you have pictures? And, and you had said this to me, you said, you said, you are the only you on this team. And I didn't really know what that meant until now is that I was the only and, and the way I refer to myself is extroverted, introverted people person. So for <laughs> me, everything is people first. Yeah, very much and so. So when you can look at a list of people's names with letters next to them and be able to kind of identify who they are based on their behavior in a group setting, that was extremely powerful to me. The next thing that I knew was the next day in the class, one of your slides changed my life. And it was the slide that you put up that said, people don't do things to you. They do them for themselves. You just might get in their way. Can you speak more to that slide? Because that's, I literally remember going, what did he just say? And then you said, let me say that again. And mm. you say it in Gord terms and then tell me about that slide. Cause that was life-changing for me. Yeah, uh, that was a line that was profound in my training as well, Tracy. So I'm glad you brought it up. But I remember meeting you that night and uh, you did stand out. You were very different from the rest of them. Remember that old Sesame Street song? One of these things look just <laughs> like the other. One of these things are kind of the same. But then you say one of the things is not like the other. You were not like the other. Very, very different folks. Now on a, on a, on a river cruise, on a, on a harbor cruise, 
uh, dinner and so on. People are are in a different space. But, you know, when I heard you speak to me that night, it was like you were um, you were not in the you were not in the right place that you should have been. Uh, I, I recognize you were trying to fill a space that was not something that you could necessarily fill. Um, and so that, there began our journey. Yep. And so the next day when I shared that line, which I was impacted by, and I share it every training that I do, people don't do things to you. They do things for themselves. And that was the line that I learned from Dr. Rome. What I added to it, because it was my experience, is that I was getting in people's way. <laughs> for instance, as a D personality, I think I know I'm a know-it-all. Right. I think I know. And so I get something in my mind. I'm very determined. I'm very decisive. I'm very driven. And I'm a doer. A C personality would always ask questions. So as I think of me as a coach now, I'm coaching a hockey team and or I'm just instructing some of my employees and uh, I'll give them an instruction, say, go do this. And they ask questions. Now, that would annoy me. Yep. <laughs> right. Because they were getting in my way. But what I didn't realize was that all the C personality needed going back to the basic need was they needed more information. They needed quality information because they wanted to do a good job. They were all about excellence and they wanted to return value to me. So I was hindering them from doing their process or their progress uh, by, by being a D personality. So uh, the line sticks with me all the time. People don't do things to you. They do things for themselves. We just sometimes get in their way. And so I would get in the way of a C personality because I didn't like questions. And I thought it was a challenge to my authority as a D. And so I, it really got me hot and bothered. But when I began to understand, right, that no, they're just, they're doing things for themselves. They're not doing it to me. They're doing it for themselves. For you, being a people person, you like to ask questions. You're bubbly, you're enthusiastic, you're effervescent, right? You're not doing that to me. You're doing it for yourself. That's just who you are. So I think it just allows us to see people in a different light, in a different lens. So I put on those different lenses. I like to tell people as well, when you learn the DISC model of human behavior, now you are responsible. Yep. You're responsible yep. to create the climate and establish the environment. Now it's upon you. You have to be responsible. Dr. Ohm taught us that. And when you do level two training, he actually sends you a little plaque that you can he sit does. on your desk. It says, be responsible. And so it's a great reminder. So now I have to be responsible to be more attentive, to be more aware, right? And so the first part of my trade, I have a three-point emphasis as well, very similar to Dr. Rome's, but mine is awareness. Build awareness, I think I mentioned this earlier, empower people so they can apply it to their life. So that's what I do, is I, I learn the human behavior language so I can be the better person, I can be the better version of myself. And I ask this question, in this current environment, what's required of me now? Do I need to be a D? Do I need to be an I, S, or C? What's Do I need to just sit back and observe? Do I just need to live? Do I need to get involved? Do I need to be more excited, right? Do I need to be more take charge? What's required of me right now? So if we're in a scenario where we actually have the information, we have the training, we have the knowledge, when we're in certain situations, you ask that question internally, okay, what's required of me now? Do I need to take charge? Do I need to motivate? Do I need to inspire? Do I need to encourage and support? Or I need to ask a few questions of what's going on. Yeah, that's a very so it, powerful thing. So in theory, it's like being the ultimate chameleon, right? You have that in one of your yeah. slides, um, as I did yeah. too. Which it, it was funny because there were a few things in your slides that I actually had in my slides before we met for different reasons, though. And now they have a whole different meaning. One of the things that um, I learned through this process is, I mean, I could talk to you all day, and and I'm my wheels are already turning. Like we we need to do like a series somewhere somehow because i think this is so valuable we've talked about this before um, very doable 
it is very doable, but one of us has to execute it and neither one of us are really good at that. So once we execute, it's amazing, but we just have to get to the point. Of oh, maybe if we execute, we just don't follow through. <laughs> exactly. So my, the thing that was really important for me is I remember talking to one of my, my coworkers about this at rapid SOS. Like, so, so what happened is after that class, you, I, I was dealing with some stuff and I kind of stayed back from dinner and I went downstairs in the hotel to have dinner as the other, the group had gone gone off and did their thing and I was going to reconnect with them later but I come down the elevator and boom there's Gordon McFarlane sitting by himself and I'm like well if this isn't divine intervention I don't know what is <laughs> so you right. and I sat down and we I think we, we talked for like four and a half hours and I said I need more of you in my life how, how do I make this happen and three months after that I went to Canada um, with one of your your previous programs we spent five days together and and there was really really where was a leadership I, I, retreat, right? my leadership treat retreat coaching i learned more about myself in those 5 days than i had in in at the time 46 years right mm-hmm. um and then i left excited and passionate and in wanting to make changes in first who i am and and when i came back from that i remember talking to one of my coworkers at rapid SOS. And I was explaining, listen, this is magic. Like this is, this is a, this is the magic formula that I think needs to be told everywhere. I said, I am going to implement this in every place in my life. I said, and I gave her this example. I said, here's the perfect example. I got an email the other day from a D style and immediately she's like, well, how'd you know it was a D? And I was like, how'd I know it was a D? This is how I knew it was a D. They sent me an email and said, Joe Schmo gave me your name. I want to know more about Rapid SOS. And that was it. No good morning. No hello. No, like <laughs> bottom line, get right Just to the point. Right to the point. So yeah. my brain was already telling me, all right, short, sweet, to the point, direct. This is a D style. So my I style would have previously responded back to that email. Hi, thank you so much for sending me an email. I appreciate you taking the time to do that. After spending 20 years in the 911 center, blah, 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 blah. And this guy would have been reading this and would have been like, she's already irritating me. <laughs> so taking the knowledge that I knew at that moment, I sent back this email. Thanks for reaching out. I have tomorrow and Thursday available at 3.30. Let me know what works for you and I'll send you an invite. Perfect. 30 seconds later, I get the calendar invite from him. 100% D style. He's in charge. He's in control. Yeah. And at first, my brain would have been like, how rude. Like I told him I would send the invite. How pushy. No, that's him. He's not doing it to me. He's doing it for him. He needs to be in control. So I, I, and I'm explaining this to my coworker. And I said, so I went into the note on the invite and I just put the letter D. And now when I get on that call, I get on the call and I say, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how it works. This is how you get it. Do you want it? I'm Mm -hmm. not filling it in with all kinds of stuff. I'm not super over the top passionate and excitable and interrupting and doing all the things that normal Tracy I would do, which works for some folks, but I knew it wasn't going to work for that person. And that was the first time that I realized the magnitude of really taking what you've learned and, and applying it. And she said these words to me, but if they're the problem, why do I have to change? I shouldn't have to change who I am for other people. And I just very casually said back to her, I'm not changing who I am. I'm changing how I behave. And that's the difference. Absolutely. And that's yeah. where the I'm responsible comes in because I have the knowledge. And at the end of the day, I want to have good relationships, not have conflict. 
right? It's wonderful. Well, that's a really good explanation. Dr. Ohm tells a story. I believe it's the, the kid's name is, is Caleb. I believe that's his, his name is Caleb. And he, he was having problems at school. He was a high I personality, probably an ID, just like Dr. Rome. I, Dr. Rome's an IDS. Um, very, 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 very outgoing, very people oriented, right? But he was having struggles in school. Why? Because schools are, are a lot of C's and S's that teach school, right? And so when he learned, when little Caleb learned, he was only in elementary school, primary school, and uh, he learned from Dr. Rome the, the primary uh, you know, personalities, because we can do training with kids five years old and up, yeah. five years, you know, kids, teens, adults. So anyway, he taught Caleb the the uh, the profile, what a D, an I, an S, and a C is. Like, look how special you are. You're an ID. This is how you are created. This is what your language is. This is what you like. This is what you don't like. This is where you shine. This is where you struggle. These are some of the areas that could catch you off guard. So when you go to school, right, and he taught that line to Caleb, people don't do things to you. They do things for themselves. Mrs. Oswald, your grade three teacher is not trying to punish you. She has a curriculum. She has a, a course line study that she needs to follow. And he began to understand. And so his report card was all, you know, needs to pay more attention. He's a distraction in class and all kinds of notes. He was getting in trouble. And, and so for the next, uh, next uh, report card period, he got the report card back you know, Caleb's a treat to, to work with. And the parents showed this report card to Dr. Rome and, and Dr. Rome had a discussion with Caleb and he said, Caleb, what, what changed? He says, well, Dr. Rome, he says, what I did was when I got to class, he said, I did what you kind of told me to do. I left my, I, I put my I personality and my D personality in a case and I left it outside the door. And yeah. when I went inside, I focused on what could I do to help my teacher to be better right? How can I be a better student? And I needed to raise my C and my S in that environment so I could be more, this is grade three. Yeah, that's and crazy. It began to and, be a, and, a really cool understanding of how to be a better student in that environment. So it's celebrating people for who they are, not for what they do. And, and so you just mentioned something really important is environment versus who we really are. So in the assessments that, that I provide to the 911 centers, um, which is through the personality insights, which is the coaching that I get, I got from you, is there are two different graphs that we see. And it really is spot on. Like, so when you do this assessment, you will get a basic style and you will get an environmental style graph. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between the basic style and the environmental style? Yeah, great question. How folks yeah, behave. that's a key element of obviously with the recognition is psychometric measurements uh, are given to us for awareness, right? We need to be aware of who we are naturally and who we are under our nurture. So a great point by you is that there are two separate versions. There's you uh, as a person and there's you as a doer. Like we talked about, you know, performance power statements, right? What I work with clients, and I'm sure you're starting to do that now as, you know, when we look at well, who are you as a person? Who are you as a, in my athletes? I ask them this all the time. Well, do you know who you are as a person versus who are you as a player and who are you as a teammate? Those are three different aspects of who you are. Well, the basic style graph indicates who we are from birth. I tell people all the time, your personality is DNA centered. It's who you are. It's part of your, it's part of your DNA. It's part of who you are. You were born at an IS, Tracy. You're going to die an IS. I was born a DI. I'm going to die a DI. But what happens is we get nurtured through life, right? 
And so I, I use this line all the time, and I always get great controversies when I use this in colleges. All the young psychology students are, are, are nose to nose with me. I say this line, we're born bad, raised to be good. <laughs> we're born bad, raised to be good. And they go, that's not true, right? That's not true. So I always, uh, these are usually teams I'm working with, and the coaches I'm working with usually have kids. And I look over at the coach and I say, coach, do you think that line is true? That we are born bad, raised to be good? And they go, Oh yeah, that's a hundred percent true. So <laughs> nurture and nature are very different. So nature or your natural personality is in your DNA. It's how you were created. It was basically designed in your DNA. It's who you are. Nurture, your environmental behavior, your environmental uh, style, temperament is based on nurture, right? If you're, uh, it's your parents' influence, your grandparents' influence, the teachers you had in elementary and secondary and high school, and even your professors, your peers, your, your friends, parents, anybody that had your coaches and teams that you had, anybody that made a significant impact in your life from a nurturing perspective is what we retain as part of our demonstrated behavior, right? So when you look at someone and say, well, it's like this. If I if I act like a jerk, I talk like a jerk and I treat you like, like I'm a jerk, right? Like I, I just, I'm not very nice to you. How do you perceive me? You perceive me as a jerk, right? Yep. So- and now throughout my life, I look back and I say, well, well, his dad wasn't very kind to him. His grandparents weren't very kind to him. So he became sour. He became bitter and he became a jerk. Right? But if you're kind and considerate and thoughtful and careful and, you know, work with people and validate them and encourage and motivate them, guess what? People are going to like you. Right. So your environmental behavior is who you are on a day to day basis in whatever environment you're in. And so we like to measure both of those again, because no one knows you better than you. So when you tell us who you are, now we can work with that, right? And if it's if it's aligning, great. If it's not aligning, we can help you, providing you want to be helped. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? Is So first of all, you have to admit that there's places that you have blind spots. And I think that's something that I also learned through this process is, um, I, I know we're not perfect, right? Uh, but I deficiencies. Didn't know- yeah, and I did. I didn't understand the significance of my blind spots and how they affect other people. And and mm. I'll give you a, a, another example of of a powerful moment for me. And I mean, this these four years working with you, and then you know having access to JJ um, and Dr. Rome in a more intimate level, even though I haven't met him yet, which I will someday. Yep. Um, yep. But exposure to more training from him and and things through my my coaching process with you is to be able to put up that mirror and to see where your blind spots are and really work hard to change them. So one of the things that I knew that I I did, well, there's, there's three places where it's a gift, but the gift is also a blind spot. So for me, three very important places. Number one, talking a lot, which ultimately ended up being a significant trigger for me in my PTSD because of the hurtful things that people would say about me talking too much. And what ended up happening in true trauma response is I'm going to say it negative. I'm going to say something negative about myself before you have the opportunity to say it. And we saw that in the, on the boat that night when I met you, Mm -hmm. I did just that when I went up to you and you said, you know, Oh, you're Tracy. and, And that blew me away. You said, I'm just curious. What do you do here? And I said, I'm the mouthpiece. And immediately you said, stop doing that. And I was like, stop doing what? And you said, stop being negative about your gift. And I was like, what? No, this isn't a gift. This is, this is bad. The fact that I talk too much is bad. But the Mm. ironic part is, is what do I do for a living? I'm a nationally recognized speaker. There's some irony there, right? 
That's right. So there was that component. My blind spot was, yes, I do know that I can talk a lot because so many people told me. The second place I had a blind spot where it was, I would tend to interrupt people. And the important thing that I learned about myself is, yes, I interrupt people, but not for the reason that they think. I interrupt people because my eye personality and my ADHD, if I don't say it now, I'm going to forget. And I think it's important. So I'll interrupt. And that can be a conflict for others. And then Mm -hmm. the third place where I had a blind spot that I didn't, again, it was a blind spot, not intentionally. It was it was an error of ignorance, not intention, was the perception of me one-upping people. So if somebody had a conversation with me and they shared, and this happened where somebody said, you know, oh, I got it in a in a in a conversation we were having at, at a dinner, somebody said, I I just got a a, a tattoo to honor my dad. Mm. Old Tracy would have immediately interjected and said, I have a tattoo that honors my dad. And this is his heartbeat. And this is this. And and I would have totally hijacked that conversation, not intentionally because I didn't value what that person had to say, but to connect with them actually to say, look, we have something in common. And I think those three places for me to have that understanding of where my blind spot, that changed everything. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, and let's define blind spot. You know, when you're driving and you don't check your blind spot, you can get into a fender bender, right? Yeah, kind of like it's what six- I just did two weeks ago on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> and so the reality is, is that in relationships, right, if we don't check ourselves and understand, okay, what's this person really saying or what are they really doing and or where are they coming from? We can get into relational fender benders, right? And that's why I like Dr. Ohm's use of the word blind spot. It's it's a deficiency. It's really not a it's not a negative necessarily. It's just we have to be aware. Raising our awareness. I don't I don't love calling it a weakness because some people will call it a weakness. And when yeah. you taught when when you took from Dr. Rome blind spot, you're 100 percent right. It's like it doesn't make me weak that I want to connect with somebody. It's just I have to be aware more that careful, more careful, right? Yeah. You know, you and I always say this, and and it's so true. One of the first lines I when I meet a brand new client, I ask them what business they're in. And they'll tell me like the glass business, right? They'll say, I'm in this, we're in the sports business. We're in this. And no, you have to redefine yourself. If you're going to lead people effectively, you have to understand that you are in the people business. Products don't move people. People move products. Balls and pucks don't move people. People move balls and pucks. Services don't move people. People move services. So everything starts with people. So we have to get a lot better. And so all our task-oriented people, the Ds and the Cs, right? They're so busy defining the physical realm and getting things done and getting titles and making money and owning this and owning that. I would tell you uh, to kind of lose that focus and focus more on people. If you help enough other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Zig Ziglar said that in in a training in 1991. In the fall of 1991, when I heard that line, I thought, that's what I need to start doing because it was all about me, right? Yeah. Being an IDI personality was all about Coach Gord. You know, what could I do? Look at me, you know, but I was starting to help people see themselves in the light of their potential, helping them to understand that they had a, a vast potential. They didn't recognize their superpower connected to their personality and what was God given, right, in their DNA. And so that was a real cool part of the journey was to go from that and transitioning into making sure that my focus was on other people, not on myself. And I'm just going to say this, and you know that I've said this a million times, is that you are a true walk the walker, not not just doing the talking. Like 
That is what you successfully did for me that I want to successfully do for other folks is to guide them in a way that they find where they belong, if they belong in one lane or if they belong in six lanes, which very clearly I belonged in in six different lanes. My entire life, I truly felt like I was a square peg being forced into a round hole. But through this process, I realized I'm actually not a square peg. I'm a star, which is very unique. And and I will never fit in that circle and I will never fit in the square. So when I made the decision to launch on scene first, to do my own thing, it was based on the fact that I felt like if I stayed at Rapid SOS or if I worked for another corporate company, um, I would keep running into the same things of of not being able to ju- just kind of be me. And and it's 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 right. not to say anything bad about about Rapid SOS or any other corporate company. It's just it's not about what they do. It's about what I needed. And that was life changing is to to realize yeah. that I I need to my eye <laughs> needs to march to the beat of my own drum. Yep. And as well, I think you just need to feel celebrated and appreciated. You know, Harvard did a study many years ago that I use and I sell, I, I, I share this with people all the time. The number one and number two reasons why people leave organizations, number one reason by far, not even close. Number one reason is that they don't feel appreciated. Yep. The number two reason is that the work that they do is not appreciated. Those that's a Harvard study. That's not from Coach Gord. That's yeah, and that's a reality. So for me. You know, being able to help have a tool, you need a tool. I can't do this on my own. Like learning, I'm certified in human behavior. I'm also certified in emotional intelligence. I'm certified in sales. I'm certified in leadership. Now it's great to have those certifications. It's knowing how to apply it. So with DISC for me, we call it a, a forced multiplier. DISC is a forced multiplier in, in that it provides and accelerates understanding of people, right? And behaviors so that we can increase performance. That's really it, do we perform well as parents? Do we perform well as speakers? Do we perform well as coaches? Do we perform well as leaders? Do we perform well as workers, as contributors on a day-to-day basis? What we need to do is learn the people traits that create the right climate and engineer and establish the right environment so people feel what? Celebrated. 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 People need to feel celebrated so that they can produce their absolute best. And that's what really the story is for me in athletics, you know, to be able to take teams that are struggling where the coaches are trying to get them to do, do, do things. I said, coach, we need to start celebrating our athletes for who they are more so than for what they do. And if we do that, the championships will come. And that's exactly what we did. When I asked Dr. Rome that big ring that he was wearing with the Arizona Diamondbacks that he had a World Series ring, I said, I didn't know you played baseball. He says, I don't. He says, I play, I'm a, I'm a basketball player, but uh, I was hired by the Arizona Diamondbacks to help them win the World Series. And we did it in five years. I'm going, okay, you need to tell me that story. Yeah. So I took him out to dinner and he shared that story with me. And I started to apply it. And now uh, 10 rings later, I've got 10 championship rings now that I've helped ten more than 10 organizations win championships. It so happens that 10 of them have rings that go with it. And so they were able to send me a ring and, you know, and I, I wear them. I wear these rings uh, not to impress people, but to impress upon people that the, the subject matter of what we teach is so powerful and so applicable in any arena, in families, in sports, in business, in any, in, in leadership, in anything that you can think of in schools. My, my wife, Sandy teaches in a private school, a private Christian school. And, you know, she has, she's a certified specialist as well. 
And she uses the model of human behavior to reach her children and her students. And she loves it. And she's so good at it because she's a DC personality, <laughs> right? Working in, a, in an elementary and, and, uh, and middle school and reaches the kids and they love her because yes. she understands the, op- the, the, the optics and the, you know, just being the person that she needs to be in that school environment because kids need to feel celebrated. They're not going to, they're not going to walk into a room where someone's being a disciplinary DC personality. want to get things done. They want to get things done the right way. This is it. Now don't get me wrong. She has an agenda. She has a curriculum to follow, but her kids were walking through a mall, right? And the kids run up to her and hug her. Met at McFarland. They give her a hug and I'm going like, wow, that, that's pretty cool that a DC task oriented person can actually have no barriers and no, uh, no restrictions for kids coming up and saying, Oh, we love you, Madame McFarland. Right. It is that emotional intelligence in such a way that, you know, I've, I share a story with, with two folks um, that I previously worked with. They were both D styles. They were both high D styles. Uh, Just one was emotionally aware and one wasn't. And, and in this particular situation, the way that, they both reached out to me. So I made a mistake, which I do not like making mistakes. Uh, we right. make a lot of mistakes uh, because we execute very quickly and don't always think through things. Uh, so right. we tend to make a lot of mistakes, but we hate making mistakes because it's letting people down. And and so if I made a mistake, like that was super challenging for me. And I'm very emotional, to, right? For very you. Very emotional. And I yeah. and I would have to fix it and apologize a million times and right. explain and all that stuff. But what I learned in this situation is they were both D styles. I made the mistake. I owned it. I I told them how I was going to fix it. That's exactly what they want to hear. Yeah. Like so I didn't have to, to kind of say, you know, oh I'm so sorry. I was super busy. I did the Yep, I totally missed this particular conference. I apologize. I've reached out to the contact. I'm on a mailing list. We won't miss it next year. That's it, right? But with one of them, so so one sends me a very quick instant message on Slack and says, did we miss this conference? People are pissed off at me. We're not there, this and that. And that floored me, right? Like I was like, oh, I was horrified. The the other D-style that is emotionally aware sends me an email more thoughtful and it starts off with hey rock star and i'm like yes <laughs> he said it looks like we missed this conference i know you're really busy but is there any way that we can make sure we don't miss it again next year those wow. two messages were delivered very differently very differently and you and- probably felt bad that you missed the conference even when they sent the hey rock star but you knew yeah. that it was yeah, it was a soft place to land, right? But I felt like there was I felt like there was an understanding, right? From from That's the cool. emotionally aware um yeah. coworker. And and what ended up happening is I quickly messaged the non-emotionally aware uh person, which he's not there anymore. So don't I don't want folks to think that he's still hovering there. But um when I sent the message back to him that I got the same message from coworker B, I'll I'll CC you on the response. His response back to me was this. I don't need a book. I just need to know if we missed it. And again, those words, they have a negative connotation to me. Like you talk too much. I don't really care what you have to say. And it just has a very different landing. Yeah, very cutting, right? So to be aware of just even how your words are. Now, a D style to a D style, he could have said that to that D style all day long and the D style would have been like, yeah, dude, I messed up. So what? I'm human. Won't happen again. There, to, to be able to know how to connect with each individual person, 
life, life changing, life changing. Yeah, I was in a meeting uh, with with a group of leaders in a government setting. And of course, there are a lot of task oriented people in government, uh, especially at the leadership level. And we were discussing, you know, leadership styles, you know, how to lead effectively with, uh, with a great sense of understanding and awareness to your point. And um, a lot of the folks in the room started to characterize the D's as not caring. Right. right? And, uh, and that we have to be careful uh, while they are decisive, determined, uh, doers, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're strong, they're dominant personalities, but guess what? We have all four styles in us, some to a greater, yeah. some to a lesser degree. So a DI like me or a DC, like my wife, uh, doesn't mean that Sandy doesn't care. She just cares less. <laughs> I, I care a little more because I've got that strong secondary people influence, but Sandy does have S and she does have I, but she's primarily DC. And so while she does care, she internalizes, right? For me as a DI, I, I will partially externalize my thoughts and emotions. I'll, you'll see it in different ways. Sandy doesn't show it. Right. right. Task DC, CD type personalities will internalize a lot. And it doesn't. And I remember working at that that meeting and at the uh, obviously the DC personality that had to leave early. He got to the door and he put his hand on the door and he turned around. And he says, I just want you to know before I leave that I may be a DC, but it doesn't mean I don't have feelings. And he opened the door and walked out. Right. And so and it was a lesson that we were trying to portray to the people that were working there. But because they heard it from a peer. Right. And they kind of went, oh, while we were trying to teach it, he actually voiced it. Right. So yeah. it's pretty cool. And we have to be aware, to your point, we have to be aware that we have all four of the temperaments in us, some to a greater, some to a lesser degree. So, again, what's required of me now? Do I need to be more D, more I, more S or more C? What does this current environment that I'm in, what does it require of me? And that's emotional intelligence. Well, and it's what does it require of me or what does it require for me to put in the suitcase and leave outside the door too, Correct. right? Very good so point. Very good point. I, I did an assessment. So one of the things that I'm doing with 9-1 centers that's proving to be just mind-blowing knowledgeable is I'll, I'll do disc assessments on the entire team. And then I send a leadership survey out and we evaluate the center as a, a pulse check and each individual leader. And I will then meet with that leadership team and explain to them the places where things are going right and where they're not going so right. And one That's that I great. did recently, um, one of the uh, administration positions came back as a, as a DC style. And under the assessment, there's a place where it says keys to excellence. So he starts reading it. And so I made everybody go around the room and I, I wanted to hear what their keys to excellence were. And mm. his was something along the lines of needing to show um, sensitivity or, or something like that. And consideration. <laughs> consideration for se sensitivity. Kindness, whatever. patience. And, and he said, I am sensitive. I said, right. But but you probably don't show it very well. He goes, well, I think you're right because um, for my anniversary card recently, my wife signed it respectfully. And when I looked <laughs> at it, she was like, I'm just giving you a piece of your own medicine. <laughs> wow. Respectfully. <laughs> respectfully, right? Respectively, your wife or respectfully submitted uh, yeah. or something like that. And And it really is just such a powerful way to to really 
move things in a positive direction. I think what's important too is is so I'm I'm working with Baldwin County, Alabama on on this next assessment, which I'm super excited about, is they realize the importance of understanding number one, who they are as an administration team. Number two, uh, who their team is and and how to support them. But also yeah. another layer that they're looking at is their training staff, the folks that are training people. Um, right. Because what we learned in one of the situations was if you have, and it's not, believe me, it's not to say that a DC style cannot be a trainer, but they just need to truly be aware that not everybody is going to live up to their expectation right out of the gate. Right. So right. D's and C's, they want to get it done and C's want to get it right. Right. So D's yeah, they, want so it they done. set a very high standard, eh? Yeah. And then so if you have a DC style that mm. is the training person for an IS or an SI, they really have to have an understanding that they have to be a little bit softer. They need to leave some wiggle room for some some tangents, some stories. Yep. They have to make yep. them feel safe. They have to be encouraging, not not in a negative way. Because when you, when you can do that, wow, what what a difference that it makes, right? And then 100%. and then the people aspect of it in that case is if I'm an IS or an SI, and I saw this with one of the folks that I talked to recently in this situation, is I can tend to take things personally a lot. Yeah. So to yeah. know and that, that could it's cause not, problems. Yeah, to know that it's and not DCs don't DC CD personalities, those task oriented people, they don't handle that well. Again, perception is reality, right? So if the perception is, you know, it, and perception, I tell people this all the time where you have to understand when you're a leader, right? How how do you want to be perceived? Right. Well, you're be you're going to be perceived by two things, by what you say and what you do. Yep. Right. And that's on my your perception of me, Tracy is based on what I say and what I do. So I'm yep. responsible for your perception of me. Truth. Right? So the things that I say and the things that I do are, are based on my character. That's my responsibility. Going back to our, our, our desk placard that says be responsible, right? Yep. If I want you to perceive me as kind, considerate, helpful, motivational, encouraging, and so on, that's what I have to be. If I'm not being respectful, right? The perception is I'm disrespectful. And so there's a big responsibility on us to create the right perception because perception is reality. Yours is yours and mine is mine, right? Yep. Well, my friend, I hate to have to wrap this up because I, I just, I could talk to you all day, every day. Um, but as far as the folks that are listening goes, if you want more information on this, please reach out to me. Um, and if you want, I know, Gord, you you put on some, some amazing trainings too. And if you want to know what trainings Gord is doing also, please please reach out to me and I'll, I'll get you hooked up there. Um, but if you really want to understand this stuff on a, on a higher level, I encourage you to do so because, wow, it, is, it has been profound for me and the folks that I've been able to share the information with. So from the bottom of my heart, I, I say thank you for for crossing or crashing into my path when you did. And I look forward to some cool stuff that I can see us doing in the future. So always a pleasure you, chatting friend. with you, Tracy. We'll look forward to doing this again soon. Awesome. All right. Bye. Bye now. Hey, heroes. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please like and follow me on my On Scene First social media so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. And make sure you get to know our friends over at NGA 911. You can start by heading over to their social media and thanking them for being our premier sponsor. 
Remember, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you.